Good morning, all seasons. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Wow, what a powerful service so far. God has is, is just been moving over these weeks. And once again, I want to say thank you for all of you who have helped and uh, who have given as we've built, who have worked to help build, who keep dreaming with us. And, uh, and it's just, you're getting to see just a taste of what God is doing uh, when we put Him first. And it's pretty cool. It's, it's really, really cool to watch God just do things that we're like, really? In Forest, Mississippi, God's doing, God can do it. God can do the impossible. And so that's what we're talking about, God doing the impossible. All right, so this morning, I want to, as you turn in your Bibles to Psalms 119, I know we last few weeks we've talked about change and dealing with change. And change is an is a important part. Two things that are constant, change and time. Two things you've got to deal with. Well, how do I process, how do I continue this process as, as we go along? Because everything, a lot of times I'm teaching, just builds upon the next thing. And so, okay, all this is taking place, so what do I need to know now to help me in the, in the process of life? What do I need to know to help me process everything that is going to be continually moving in my life, that's going to be continually going? So Psalms 119, verses 1 through 5, if you'll go there with me, I'm going to read that as we jump into this teaching today. So here's what it says. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the, say it out loud, law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. In other words, the Bible says they don't do anything wrong. Look at the person beside you and say, would you like to do nothing wrong? I mean, that's, that's a pretty good life. I, I go through my life and I don't do anything wrong. Nobody, my wife's never going to get mad at me ever again. I'm just going to look at her and say, I didn't do anything wrong. I've never done anything wrong. This is the promise. So you have kept or have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your... Now, throughout this psalm, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's one chapter you should read more than any other chapter in the Bible. There's a reason why it's the longest, 176 verses. 171 of them are going to talk about his law, his precepts, his commandments, his heart, all through it, it has one theme. You're going to, by 176 verses, get the thought, okay, obey God. Do what God's asked me to do. Do it according to the way God's planned it. Obey his laws, his precepts, his principles, obey them. And throughout, there's promises all through there. All throughout, we pull scriptures out, and I don't have time this morning to deal with that, but we constantly are pulling how, how he is a, a, a light unto our path. You know, you hear people say that, well, where does that scripture come from? Psalms 119. All these powerful scriptures, these promises that we pull out of the Bible come from this understanding. And it's important because, listen to me, everything in the Bible hinges on this. Things are going to change. Time is going to keep moving. But this is what will allow you to never have to falter or apologize 
or mess up. It sounds simple. Really, that's the title of the message. If I was going to entitle it, life is simple. I hear people all the time, man, life is tough. No, it's not. Life's real simple. You just make it complicated. Life is really, really simple. You already have everything you need. The problem is, is that we don't do it the way God asks us to do it. Let me, let me show it to you this way. Write this down. This is very important. The more godly principles in my life, the less I have to pray. Now, we live in a culture that says we need to have prayer groups. We need to have more prayer groups. We need to have more. Do you ever read in the book of Acts where they started a bunch of prayer groups? We're in a culture, man, we need to pray for so-and-so's healing. We need to pray for so-and-so's car. We need to pray for so-and-so's problem. We need to pray because so-and-so's having issues. And we need to pray for this. And we need to pray for that. And we need to pray. Let me tell you something. The biggest problem is, is that if you just live by God's principles, you wouldn't have to do as much praying as you do. The reason you have to do as much praying is, you know, brother Lott, I'm telling you, doctor says I got kidney stones and I got all this. Well, I told you three years ago to quit drinking Mountain Dews. Now, it sounds simple to you to pray for healing after you've been drinking Mountain Dews. And if God healed you of this, are you going to quit Mountain Dews? Well, you know I like them Mountain Dews, brother Lot. I'm like, then have the kidney stones. I'm not wasting my prayer. I'm not wasting my time. Let me show it to you in a simple way. You, everybody here has bought a car. When they, when they give you the car, they tell you in the glove box is the, I mean, if you want to know how to run the radio and you want to know how to, to, to check the oil in it and you want to know, all you have to do is sit down for a little while, maybe a day, and read through it. You want to know where the spare tire is kept? You want to know where the tools to undo the tire is kept? Would you like to know all the different, instead of pulling off the side of the road, putting your flashers on, and then on your cell phone going into a panic, the car ain't working. Nothing's wrong. I, I don't know what's wrong. Well, what does the manual say? I don't know. I have no idea. Well, check the oil. I don't know how to check the oil. I don't even know how to pop the hood. Don't laugh about this, because a lot of y'all, if I told you to go outside and find your tire gear, you'd be like, I don't know. I'm calling mama. Well, that's the same way you do life. The same way you do life is, I don't know what to do in life. Call pastor. I need to come pray. Maybe God knows what to do. Maybe. Maybe he's got a plan. I don't know. Mine's not working. It's broke down. And this whole thing is full of, I guarantee you there's people, don't, don't point them out to me, they'll drive three extra months a year with the wrong time because they don't know how to change the time when time changes. I'm not saying I have to do that for all the cars in our house. I'm just saying it's a possibility that I have to do it for all the cars. It's in the manual. Lisa's like, no, no, no. I was like, no, she can do it. She can do it. I'm, I'm not going to. But do you understand what I'm saying? This, this, this teaching is so important because it will save you all the extra time that you are not doing something important because you're constantly just praying to get by. 
You're constantly, all your energy is, oh, let's pray for so-and-so. She's got this. Let's pray for this. This is going on. Let's pray for this. And Psalms 119, it is the longest before the purpose of trying to get you to learn through David who was a man after God's own heart. That's what he said. I found me a man after my own heart. Well, what was God's heart? My principles, my ways. He loves my laws. That's what he says all through. I love your laws. I love what you tell me to do. I love all your commandments. I love your principles. I love what you're asking all the time. Understand this. When you violate a principle, it destroys you. If I don't read the manual, if I, if I just do what I want to do, if I never, well, I didn't read that I needed to change the oil. I didn't read that I needed to check the transmission fluid. I didn't read that I needed to rotate my tires. I didn't read any of this. I didn't learn any of this. Then it leads to my what? Destruction. And when you take it to the mechanic, he looks at you and he says, hey, that's all right. It's no problem. No, he turns his back and says, just park it over there. He turns around to the other mechanic, we got an idiot. That's what they do. I worked in a mechanic shop. That's what they say. Idiot didn't even know how to change the oil in the car. Thing's gone 60,000 miles. Looks like mo- I mean, it, lo- it looks like molded grease. Just, just can't figure out why their car won't run. It's the manual. And if you defy the principles, you destroy yourself. If you obey the principles, you bring blessings on yourself. Anybody ever read Joshua, the first chapter? What does God tell him? In all your ways, meditate on what I've given you. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. But good. And you will make your way prosperous. God didn't say, ah, it don't matter what you do, Joshua. You know, I'm going to get you through it. That's not what he says. In fact, Joshua learns this out at Ai. First time he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, and they weren't in line, and they lose a battle. And Joshua does what most of us. Oh, my goodness, what's wrong? I need to figure out what's wrong. All of us in this life have to understand that this is the concept by which God works. When we violate a principle, it will destroy you. Now, let me move along. So let's, let's understand principles. We need to understand principles. He uses these concepts, principles, laws, heart, all this. But let's just take one of them. They all pretty much are the same. They are, they are what God operates by. And God is saying, I want you to operate by what I operate by. So the word principle comes from the first word, prince. That's not the musician. Prince means it is the first thing. A prince in a kingdom is the person that if a prince is born, they are next in line to the kingdom. So it is the, it is the principal thing. The prince is the first thing. So when I say a principle, it is the first law or the first commandment or the first declaration that I give to you that you must operate by. So when God says, I've given you my principles, I've given you first laws laid down and manufactured, everything else is how it operates. So what, what happens in this, this is called a manual. It's called a manual. 
What that long definition, I can see y'all don't care, so I'm going to give you the short version of it. Basically, it means that the manufacturer has written down his thoughts. If you want to know what the manufacturer thought and wanted you to know before you did something, read his manual. It is the thoughts of the manufacturer who made the product. That's all it is. So before I drive a car, what, what would Toyota want me to know about their car? Before I ride this lawnmower, what does, what was, what does uh, uh, Husqvarna, whoever kind of mower you got, whatever kind it is, what do they want me to know about this lawnmower? And in life, it works the same way. God has given you principles. Prince, first in line. Go with me to Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Let me explain this. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For we do not wrestle against... Okay, so most of the things you pray for are healing, miracles, this. I need, I need something in my flesh. I need something. And Paul says, okay, let me help you because you do not wrestle against flesh and it's not your problem. Flesh and blood is not your problem. But against, oh, there's that word, principalities. Principles that the world says we have set up that we want you to live by, and if you live by it, we promise it'll be okay. If you drink this, smoke this, sleep with this, we promise it'll be good. Is it good? Nope. But that's their principles. And so the principalities come along and they say, this is how we want you to live. Against powers, against rulers of the, what's the word? Darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. He describes this. None of this is physical. He says, if you want to, to have a good life, know the manual, because if you don't, you're going to end up in a problem. Why? Because you're fighting against the principles that says, I don't need to rotate the tires. I don't need to change the oil. I can do what I want to. I don't have to drive it this way. I can drive it 107. It won't blow up. All the principles that the world says won't cause you problems. God says, don't do it. I'm a, okay. So, darkness in the Hebrew means ignorance. Let me help you a little more. So, what you're following when you don't follow God is you're following the prince of ignorance. That's why the mechanic laughs at you, because he considers you ignorant. It's like these folks are ignorant. It doesn't mean you're, you're dumb. It doesn't mean, it just means you're ignorant. It means you have not learned. If they would have taken a little time to learn, they would have figured out they should not have done what they did. This is important. It's the most powerful teaching you'll ever have in your life if you grab it. So the prince of ignorance, which is the devil... That's who he is. He's the prince of ignorance. What do you mean, Brother Locke? You have to walk in darkness to follow him. You have to be blind and dumb and ignorant. If I turn off all the lights and I said, okay, let's walk around. 
you're going to look dumb and ignorant because you can't see. Well, that's what he wants. That's what he lives by. He operates in this concept as a prince of ignorance. He is your greatest enemy. Your greatest enemy then is not the devil. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities. What are those principalities? That the enemy says, stay in darkness, and if you stay in darkness, I will lead you somewhere good. And when you live that life, it turns out bad. This is good. Well, then, who are we for? Well, go with me to John 8 and 12. John 8 and 12. Let me show you how Jesus brought what he brought. Jesus then spoke to them again, saying, I, I am the light of the world. Later, he will tell you in writings, he will say, if you walk in the light... You won't fulfill the sins. You won't get caught up in junk if you will walk in light. This is what God is teaching. We get caught up in, in, in the salvation. We get caught up in the, in, in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We get, all of those are products to get us to be able to one day walk in principles that will keep us out of trouble. You can have all the Holy Ghost you want. You can have all the Bible you want. You can be saved. But if you're not going to follow the principles, you're going to end up in a mess. That's my job. What is the job of a pastor? Not to pray for you. I can do that. Did it a few minutes ago. It's not to feel bad when you feel bad. It's to show you the principles of God so that it will help you move forward. If I had time, I'd, I'd, I'd carry you to the book of Acts where the disciples start having widows who need to be fed and the apostles tell the other people in the church, you take care of this, we must give our time to what? Reading and studying the Word. Why? Because our job is to pull principles and teach the people how to live. Okay, so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. That's, that's who I am. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in, but have the light of, look at the person beside you and say, and you won't mess up. And you won't mess up. That's too simple, Brother Lot. Yeah, it is. It's so much more difficult coming and praying every Sunday for your junk you did six days of the week. It's so much easier eat wrong for eight weeks and whatever and then pray because God accidentally put you in a hospital because your gallbladder is messing up. I mean, why do you want to do it, make it simple when you can live such a difficult life? I chose the simple life. I like the simple life. Now, simplicity does not always mean that it's easy. Because I have to drag my flesh that says, I don't want to do this. Doesn't matter. You're going to like it in the end. So, here's our process. To gain knowledge, understanding, obedience, 
and application. That is your process. It's what God is trying to do. He is trying to give you knowledge so that you will gain understanding, so that you will be obedient, so that you will apply it to your life. Go with me to Matthew 6, verses 31 through 34. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. Jesus is teaching this principle. Jesus is not, not a duplicate. When the Bible says that Jesus is the second man, Adam, He is not the duplicate. Jesus is the original plate. Adam was, was the duplicate of who... That's why God said, let us make man in our image. Jesus was the authentic image. So when Jesus comes and he's the authentic image, we've done read David who says, I want your precepts. I want your concept. I want to live. And God says, that's a man after my own heart. That's the man I can use. That's a man I will make a king. That's a man I will raise because his desire is to do good. Does David always do good? No. He makes mistakes like all of us do. But he gets up knowing that the greatest life I can live is the life that is under his precepts, under his laws, under his way, living by by his standards, living his life through my flesh. So let's hear it from Jesus. Now all through the sixth chapter, he's talked about how to pray, how to fast, how to do all these things, and and he's, he's bringing it all under one umbrella. Here's what he says. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we? What shall we? What shall we? Sounds like a charismatic prayer line. If I give an altar call, all of you come up here. If you got sickness in your body, if you got this going on and that going on, and your mama don't love you, and this is happening and everything, let's just come up here. We're going to pray for you. Sounds good. Jesus says, for all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father already knew before you stepped out of the aisle what you already had need for. Don't get me rolling. Your heavenly Father already knew what you had need of. God already saw it way before he ever showed it to you. God God said, I've been watching you for months and years. I've been knowing it. What are you all surprised for? Your heavenly Father already knows what you have need of. For the heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He already says, I know you need them. So what's the solution? But seek you first the... And His righteousness, and then all of these things shall be added. Therefore, do not worry about... Now, let's be honest. Most of y'all scared to death what's going to happen in the future. Well, how's it going to turn out? How's it going to go? How's it going to... Hush. Just hush. Nobody wants to hear your whining. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is your own Trouble. 
If you've got an oil problem, fix the oil problem. Sufficient for today is your own problems. Listen, when Jesus came, He did not preach Abraham. When Jesus came, He did not preach Moses. When Jesus came, He did not preach the prophets. Jesus went before all of it. All the way back to where you had dominion. And when Jesus came, what He came was that you would not have, quote, the blessings of Abraham in your messed up world. He did not come that you would have the laws of Moses and your flesh couldn't do it. He did not come to be a prophet and always pick on you when you did wrong. And tell you, God says you're messing up. God says you're messing up. He said, I went all the way back. And when Jesus preached, the Bible says He spoke like no other man. He, He spoke not like a preacher. He didn't speak like a prophet. He didn't speak like Moses. He didn't speak like Abraham. Although all those things come with it. The blessings of all of that comes with it. That's what Jesus said. God knows you have need of all these things. All these things will be provided. But you have to decide to pursue His kingdom. And when you pursue His kingdom, all of these other things will be provided for you. That's the simplicity of life. Rola, how did you get here? His kingdom. His kingdom. All I pursue is His kingdom. I don't care about a title. I don't care about what you call me. You can call me Brother Tim, Pastor Lot, P. Lot. I don't care. Titles don't mean nothing to me. That's an earthly thing. Only thing I care about is the kingdom. All I know is that my Heavenly Father, Son, He got my back. My Heavenly Father will mess up anybody and anything to take care of Tim Lot. If you don't believe it, just check my track record. Check my track record. Well, that's, that's, no, it's dominion. I ain't worried about sickness tomorrow. Why? Because I know God's got me. Not worried about how things are going to work out because I know God's got me. If you focus on that God's got you, then the other things just come along as you're living this life. So blessings, blessings don't make you dominant. Being dominant brings your blessings. See, I don't pursue blessings. I pursue being dominant over the life that I'm living. And if I become dominant over the life that I'm living, what we do in our modern culture is we seek blessings. So did the Pharisees. How do you know somebody's living a good life? How do you know somebody's got a... Well, because they, they're fat, because they eat a lot, and they got a lot of good food, and, and, and they got a good house and a big place. They must be blessed. God must like them. That don't mean they have dominion. Go to Hollywood. I can show you all them divorced, messed up, unhappy people. They got billions, million-dollar houses, everything. D- blessings don't give you dominion. Dominion makes sure you can contain and hold on to your blessings. So if God gave me dominion, He gave me what? The manual. 
And he says, if you tow the manual, your car will last. Your car will go. Your car won't blow up. You'll know how to fix it along the way. The problems of today won't override you. The problems of the moment won't overthrow you. You will make it through every season, through every glory to glory. This is the process by which God operates in the kingdom. Blessings, listen to me very, very carefully, because some of y'all need to hear this real clear. Blessings only create within you an ability to want to be comfortable. When people seek blessings, they're seeking comfort. And the more comfortable you get, the harder it is for God to move you and do anything with you. Anytime Jesus talked about rich people, what did he tell you? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to do anything I need him to do. Why? Because he's seeking comfort. He can't stand giving up comfort. He loves comfort. The rich young ruler walked away because he was comfortable. He had many riches. But did he have dominion? No, the Bible says he walked away sorrowful. He had stuff and he was sorry at the same time. Okay, so blessings don't make you dominant. It just makes you go toward comfort. So when we talk about the kingdom, when we talk about the kingdom, let me show it to you in in one story illustration. Is that okay before I let you go? I'll do this real quick. So, So let's say you want to make a cake. You got that picture for me? You want to make a... Would you like to eat that? That's, that looks good. Now show me the other picture. Do you want that? See, here's the problem with you. Here's the problem with you. That is how you get that. See, most of you in this room, the problem you have, go back to the other picture, that's what you want. And the reason you can't get it, the reason you won't ever have that, go to the other picture. It's because you won't do this. Is that simple enough for you? That's as simple as I can make it for you. You want this. It it makes you mad you don't get this. It makes you upset you don't have this. Your anger all the time, you're upset, is because you don't like this. That's what your problem is in this room. If you're having a problem with with relationships, your health, your whatever it is in this room, I'll tell you problem. You don't like the ingredients. You think it needs to be more salt. You think it needs to be more this and more butter, more this, more that. But if you change it and you taste it later and you say, well, that isn't what I wanted. What do you do? You have to go back to the, because I did something wrong. The instructions is what gives me, go back to the other picture, this. I like ice cream. I'm an ice cream fanatic. You know, when I opened this ice cream maker, the first thing there was, 
Please read instructions before. It's even got warning signs. You can blow this thing up. You do it wrong. That's what it says. Safety instructions. It can overheat. It can blow. I can, I can go through all of this and I can just say, forget this. I am going to figure this thing out. And I'm just going to figure it out myself and pull it all out and just try to put all the pieces together. And, and, and when it messes up, I'm going to say, where did you put those instructions, Elise? What you gonna say, ain't it? Oh, don't get mad at me when I'm preaching good. Don't get mad at me now. Well, let me give it to you in a very simple, just one area, and this will help. How about marriage? Marriage is always a tricky subject. It really isn't. It's easy. Marriage is really easy. Go with me in your Bibles to Matthew 5. Verses 31 and 32. Very simple. Marriage is very simple. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But, here's the manual. But I say to you, that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her later to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who has just decided to come out of her marriage and there's no, and divorces, commits adultery. What does the manual say? Don't get divorced. Unless somebody in the relationship just goes hog wild. Yeah, well, bro, you don't know what I'm living with. Has she gone hog wild? No, then suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, but she's mean. I ain't got nothing to do with it. She's, she's hard to live with. I didn't pick her. And I didn't pick him either. Quit coming up to the altar praying for it all. Oh God, will you just change it? You married him. You must like it. Why are you bringing God into your bad decisions? Go cook dinner for him. He's probably up out of bed by now. It's in the manual. The manual says you better pick wisely. And when you pick, you better realize, oh, it's a lifetime. You are stuck. You say, bro, I, I mean, that's a bad way to talk about marriage. But let me help you a little more. Go with me to Matthew 19, 13, 3 through 12. You'll never hear marriage preached this way, but you should. That's why, a lot of, that's why there's 65% divorce. Because nobody preaches this. Here's what it says. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Is, is it all right if my wife nags me too much? Can I tell her, I can't live, I've fallen out of love with you. I don't like you anymore. I'm through with you. I'm finished. It's over. Can I, can I get out of this thing? That's what they asked. And he answered and said to them, have you not? <laughs> On page 24, if you'd have read the manual, it had told you this. Have you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them? 
So if you got two women wanting to get married, two men wanting to get married, it won't work. The manual says you're going to blow it up. Somebody going to want to try to wear pants in it and look like a man. It ain't going to work. Sorry. If I'm breaking your heart in here, I didn't write the manual. God did. God said, I made it. I manufactured it. I'm the manufacturer. You want to know my mind? Here's my mind. I made a male and a female. That's how I made them. All right. Oh, and he said, for this reason, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become, for this reason, you got to leave your mama. Some of you men, some of you women need to realize you need to take your mama off your phone when you get married. You ain't mamas no more. They didn't marry and become part. I love it how people always come up and say, oh, I got a new daughter in my family now. No, you didn't. You lost your daughter. I got a new son. No, you didn't. You lost your son. He they left you. Your son said, bye. For this reason, some of y'all need to grow up. For this reason, you leave mother and father and cleave to your wife or husband. Oh, you all I got. I ain't got nothing else. I left everything else. And the two then, if they do that, will become... If not, you're always going to have mama up in your business, daddy up in your business. If you get into a fight, one of you going to run, run back to house and sleep in your old bedroom. <laughs> I didn't even write it. So then, they are no longer two... But one flesh, therefore, what God has joined together, you made a contract, you made a covenant, therefore, what God hath joined together, let no man separate. Now, you think they like hearing the manual? No, here's what they said. And they said to him, why then did Moses command, I love that, command to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? Then why did Moses give it to us? He said to them, because of the hardness of your hearts. Because you wanted something the manual said you couldn't have. And God said, if you want it, you want to blow up the car, blow it up. That's why some of you on your second and third and fourth marriages, that's why some of you don't quit marrying, just sleeping around now. Because you don't like the manual. But this is what the manual says. Moses, because of the hardness, permitted you. He didn't say commanded, he permitted you. If you want to do it, if I want to blow up that ice cream maker, God says, you ain't going to read the instructions, knock yourself out, Tim. You can go buy a new one. But I'm not going to make it work when you do it wrong. Permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. No, remember I told you we skipped past Abraham. and the, We went all the way back. He said, I'm going to show you the original... And I say to you, he said, I'm going to read some more of the manual. Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is a divorce commits adultery. He already done taught that once. He said the manual hasn't changed. From chapter 5 to chapter 19, it's still the same. The disciples said to him, and I love this, if such is the case... <laughs> now these are not the Pharisees anymore. This is the disciples... If this is the case of the man with his wife, 
It's better not to. Let me tell some of y'all something. It's better not to marry. If you do not read the manual and know that if I marry this girl or I marry this guy, whatever they are, I'm stuck with it. Whatever they are, I got to live with it till I die. I'm going to have to have kids with it. I can't complain about it. I can't fuss about it. I can't. That's why you better read the manual and pick the right, because the manual also tells you what to be looking for when you pick somebody. Even his own disciples said, Lord, it's better a man don't even get married. Peter's married. He's like, Lord, it's better you just don't even never get married if you got to live with that all your life. That's what, ain't y'all ever heard this in marriage counseling? I know they've taught this because it's scriptural. Here's what Jesus says. But he said to them, all cannot accept this thing. All cannot accept it. But only these whom it has been. In other words, I'm married and I love Lise. But let me explain something. I knew who I was picking. And I knew that when I picked her, I knew I was marrying Eddie. Lisa, say, I'm not Eddie. I'm like, yeah, you are. She don't realize, ain't nobody else been in your life, Elise. You was raised by Eddie. Your sister's Ann. That's who your house you grew up in 24-7. They're, they got that imprint on you partly. You, you're not completely like them, but you got part of it on them. And I see it every now and then. Mm. Let me just go ahead and help y'all. You guys want to marry that girl, you better go meet her mama. And you better go meet her grandma, and you better go meet them. Because let me tell you, that's who you're marrying. And you guys and you girls, you go marrying that man, you better go find out if his daddy work or not. You better go find out what his family's like. If his daddy done had 12 affairs and his mama's all off in the woods and everything else, then you better understand Leroy's going there too. <laughs> otherwise, when you might... Don't get mad at family reunion like these bunch of crazy people. You're looking at one of them. You married one of them. He said, all cannot accept this saying, but only those who it has been given. Here's what he says. For there are eunuchs, I love this word he uses. There are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him. I want ice cream. I got to read the manual so that I can produce what I want it to produce and it to be what I want it to be. Pull the cake back up one more time. This is what I want my life to be like. I want it to look like that. I want it to taste like that. I want it to go to the other picture. Then I've got to get really good at this. My, my, my wife, she gets excited about certain things. There's one thing that excites her. If she can ever get a card, just a card of one of her 
grandmother's recipes on cornbread or, or one of her, how her, somebody made chicken and dumplings. Or, now, they didn't make chicken and dumplings for her. They only gave her a card. And that card is more precious to her than anything in the world because that card represents the results that she wants. I come by to tell you today, the results you want is in the card. You don't just wake up one day and a cake appears. Somebody has to mix it together. Somebody has to bake it. Somebody has to know how to put the icing on it. Somebody has to know way before somebody puts it on the table. Will you stand? There is nobody who loves more what took place earlier as God's moving and we're praying. There are times when we need moves of God in our life and don't you ever, ever, ever think you don't. There is a balance that has to be between His presence and His Word. And my greatest fear is through these camps and everything that takes place, and even on church services. Is it for just that moment, there's this emotional high. Man, I'm telling you, I am going back, and I am... And I grew up in camps, and I grew up going to revivals, and I grew up not only feeling the height of it, but also feeling the... Me and God had a long talk about why that always took place. God said, Tim, it's because you like the picture of the finished product. But you don't love the principles that help you get there. When you leave this place today, young people, You've got to love His principles just as much as you love this feeling that you received. And you are going to fight, not for the feelings, because you can go back to church and go every Sunday so often get a feeling, but your principles will determine how the cake tastes. It will determine what life will be. For you married couples, it's your principles. For you that want health but don't want to eat right or do right, it's your principles. There are times to pray for healing. There's times when you've done nothing wrong and you're like, okay, God. But there are times when we already know when we're walking down the grocery aisle what we should and shouldn't pick. There are times when we're walking through life what we should and shouldn't say. In fact, when you got saved, from that moment God started writing His laws on your heart. Even before you started reading, there was a change. The change is not that I'm saved. The change is that you went from darkness 
to light. You can see what you couldn't see. You see what the world can't. You see destinations they can't see. You see miracles they can't see. If you're in this room today, the two have to blend. The presence and His power moving through us and His principles that guide us. And as I pray for you today, as we dismiss, it's time. My prayer is that you don't come to the altars every single week for problems that principles would cure. But that the principles of your life would cause you, as David said, to never, ever falter. I may run into something in this old world just because I live in it, but I don't want to falter into it. I want it to be something that God says, that got in your way, Tim. Go ahead and speak to it. Tell it to get out of the way. If you're in this room today and you know what I'm talking about and what you need to do, then do it. Change the principles of your life. Father, I have said all I can say. Their word is in their heart. Your word that I've spoken, God, I've put it there. Now it is for them to decide whether they will read the instructions, whether they will follow, walk in your precepts, in your principles. Whether they decide darkness is where I'll figure it out. Whether they decide light is where I'll live. Either way, God, either way, God, you won't change. Your ways are perfect. Your ways are flawless. Your ways lead to a life of abundance, joy, and peace. And as Joshua said at the end of his days, looking at his people, you choose. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. God, let that always be upon our lips. Let that always be on our hearts. Let that always guide our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go give that old devil fits.